Our Father in heaven, thank you. Word of God, speak. And today we're going to be hearing about the power of that word. Make it fresh in our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I heard the story of an Irish Sunday school teacher. One Sunday, teaching his little class of children about the Battle of Jericho. And he thought he would ask a simple question. He said, class, who destroyed the walls of Jericho? And little Brendan said, I'll tell you the truth. I did not do it. And the teacher said, he, he looked at him and he, the boy was serious. I didn't do it. I promise. And so the teacher was a little bit disturbed and he said, I need to go home and talk to this child's parents. I mean, there's something missing here. And so he went and, you know, to the, to the house and, and the mom was just there. And he said, let me, I just need to tell you about what Brendan said. I was teaching about the walls of Jericho being destroyed. And you know what he said? Well, what, what did he say? Well, he said that he swore that he didn't do it. And then the mom said, I, let me tell you something about Brendan. If he said he didn't do it, he didn't do it. And then the, the teacher with, with complete shock, yeah, I, I can't believe, I can't believe she, she's serious. All right, I need to go see dad at the office. And so he said, okay. I, he went and he said, sir, I just don't know what to do. I, I went, I, you know, I had told, he told him the story about the Sunday school class, about how Brendan said he didn't do it, and about his wife, and he said, this is what they all said. They were serious. And then the dad said, now, okay, listen here, just how much were these walls anyway, and we'll just take care of this right now, you know. <laughs> anyway, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes important things can be forgotten, or not thought of with the importance that they should have. Sometimes we don't focus on the things that we should. And now this is an extreme example, yes. But because of this tendency to forget things, because of this tendency to not place importance on some important things, in, in the next uh, few sermons from me, we will be going over, actually, it happens to be, if not my most favorite, one of my favorite parts of the Bible, the beginning of Genesis, the origins. The beginning of Genesis holds so much for us. It's not just the first book of the Bible. It's not just the Old Testament, emphasis on old. It's not just that. It's not irrelevant. It's something that's incredibly important for us today. So we're going to be looking at the beginnings, the origins of Genesis. So please turn back to that wonderful chapter of Genesis. It's really easy. It's the first page of the biblical text. Genesis 1, and we're going to start in verse 1. When's the last time we had a sermon on this? Genesis 1, 1. I still hear some pages rustling. Okay. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens 
and the earth. I just want to pause there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Ten little words in English and only seven in Hebrew. But this little verse holds with it so much weight that we usually don't give it the right honor that it should have. Yes, it's the first verse in the Bible. Hallelujah for that. But it's not just the first verse. It tells us so much about who God is, about the world, and about us. Now, of course, we'll learn more as we go through the rest of the story. But in this one little verse, I want to just tell you how powerful this is. In the beginning, God was there. And you say, well, duh, Pastor. I know that. In the beginning, God was there. But see, this is in contrast to a very prevalent and academically shrouded belief that the universe originated of itself by random chance. By probability, the universe sprang from nothingness in this view. And this view does have a stranglehold on the scientific community. Even if you don't say that you believe in the Judeo-Christian God, even if you believe in intelligent design, you are in trouble, buddy, if you're a scientist, and you're going to get kicked out of the academic peer-reviewed journals and maybe even lose your job. But the fact remains that, at least as I have studied things, it might... It at least takes as much faith, if not more faith, to believe that the universe and all that it contains came to being out of nothing, no cause, no intelligent design, and it has not been observed that life springs from non-life. God was there in the beginning. God existed before all things. And another thing this verse tells us that we take for granted that they didn't back then when Moses was writing this, God was the only God, the only God at the beginning. You see, at this time when Moses was writing, every other creation story pretty much had a group of gods that were fighting, they were quarreling, arguing with each other, they were trying to kill each other, and a lot of the times the earth was created out of some other god's dead body. How nasty is that? How lackluster is that? Out of a quarrel and a lot of times licentious activity, the earth was created and humans were created. There you go. What a wonderful beginning, but no, God didn't have any peers. God didn't have any peers. He was the only God that stood above and beyond all others. That's the God you believe in. But not only there, you see this little verse, I told you it has a lot. This little verse also says that God is not the same as his creation because even in our church history, we had some prominent people years ago while our sister Ellen White was still around that tried to suggest that God was the same as creation. He was equated with creation and they have a fancy word for it, pantheism. 
And they tried to say, no, no, God is in the trees and in the sky and the water, the air, etc., etc., etc. He's the same as it. But this says that God was there before any creation was. God existed separately, above and beyond anything that, that could have been. Anything that we know now, God is the king and the ruler over all. He is not the same. As the creation, this little verse, powerful. Now, something else about this little verse, it says that he created the heavens and the earth. Now, have you ever, uh, would, you, would you think it was silly if I ask you the question, which heavens and earth? Which heavens and earth? And by that I mean, is it only describing our little planet? Or is that first verse getting us up to speed with the fact that God created even the fabric of the universe in all time before getting to our specific world? And I always wondered that. And you know what I found out? That often this whole heavens and earth thing, this, this, this literary device, is actually, it, it operates as a set of bookends to the whole creation because we know that you know heavens can mean the sky we know that it can also mean space and we can we know it can also mean the place where the where god and the angels dwell so there are three different heavens mentioned in the bible well what it looks like and see we use we use literary devices like this too in our common speech we say yeah from a to z you know everything in between uh, we say if we read a book you know from cover to cover I read it from cover to cover you don't say I read it this and this chapter and this chapter and this chapter boom cover to cover you covered the whole book and so I actually believe that in this little verse we have in just a few words Moses saying just in case you were curious in the beginning, before there was anything, any fabric of anything that we understand, God was there and he created it. So you know all the night sky, all the stars, everything that you see, God made that, the heavens and the earth. And why do I say that? Because when you get to verse 2, there's something, there's something there. How did it get there? God created it before. God uses, God, everything comes from God. And it says the earth was without form and void. God made, I can just see it. I don't, I mean, it's, it's amazing to imagine, but, you know, let there be a universe. I don't know what he said, but this vast, endless expanse of space with all of these stars and all of this rock and all these materials. And then when God said, I want to make mankind on the earth, he said, let's go over here in the Milky Way galaxy, galaxy number trillion something trillion, um, you know, in the whole universe, and let's make earth here. And so God comes over. I don't know how long it was after he created the angels and everything else, but God said, I'm going to go create the earth and the earth didn't have any form but it was just begging for God to come and do something with it the second verse tells us that it was without form and void darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters preparing 
for this grand work. And in six days, God would make it a paradise. Something without any order, there's no order, there's nothing to be said that it was a paradise and God turns it into a paradise. And the act act of creation was done in just this one week, our specific earth. I don't know about the rest of the universe. You can dial that one into God and maybe... (laughs) Maybe after many, many years of being with him, we might understand a fragment of the rest of this universe. But with our earth, in this week, God made the earth what it is in power and artistic beauty. You see, we, we don't think about... Um, all of the, of the implications of what God has done. Power. God created the earth in power because all he had to do was speak and it happened. Do you see God sweating and toiling? Man, I just can't get this air right. Man, I've been working on this thing all day. Or this rock just doesn't quite have the right um, molecular properties. You know, I just... Gabriel, get over here. I need your help. You know, I mean, we, we don't see him sweating. Right? We don't, you know, how in the world am I going to make trees? Oh, if only I just had a little, a, a hand. Anybody give me, going to give me a hand, you know? i got to plant all these things seed by seed. Are you kidding me? Okay, no. What does God do? He, sa- he looks around and he says, let there be. And there was. It doesn't say that... The materials were like, do we have to come forth into existence? No. God's word does things. And so God, all he has to do is say, let there be light, and there is light. Let there be an expanse in the heavens, and there is an expanse. There's an atmosphere. Let the dry land appear, and it does. He doesn't have to grab it with a big chain and pull it up out of the waters. His word is powerful. Let there be, and things spring into existence. But he's also not just a God that is, um, you know, like some of us guys are. We're, we just have, you know, let's just get it done, and if it doesn't look pretty, then who cares? We're just going to get this thing done. We're going to slap it together. And then all our dear ladies come up and say, what did you do? This has to be done all over again. <laughs> No, God's not like that, okay? God's not like that. He is a lover of the beautiful and the creator of beauty itself. God did things thoughtfully. And if you read through this creation story, you'll see that God, in the days, the first three days, he sets up everything. He gets all the environment ready and then in the next three, he fills that environment with all of the creatures. So if you put like one, days one, two, three, right next to four, five, and six, you see one matches four, two matches five, three matches six. He did things in this very artistic and, and thoughtful manner. And so the days went like this. And I'll just mention a few interesting things. Uh, some of them are more straightforward with others. But have you ever wondered in day one? Day one. I mean, we come up. I have a question about day one. You know, man, we have, we have five more to go. But day one, 
He says, let there be light, and there was light. Well, I always wondered, where did the light come from? He said, let there be light, but how was there light? You know, he, I mean, there was still a few days before he was going to create the sun and, and the moon and all of that. What, where did that light come from? And, you know, I just love the scriptures because in different places they answer so many of our questions. Have you ever read Psalm 104? Psalm 104, verses 1 and 2, it's actually the whole psalm is a creation psalm. It's a very beautiful song about what God did. It says... Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. You know, it also says in another place that sometimes God makes darkness his canopy, you know, hiding in the clouds, etc. I believe that when he came to the earth, he said, let there be light, and his light in all of its splendor shone out in that little corner of space. I believe that God was the very source of light, his beautiful countenance. God lets his light shine out, and it was good, he says. It was good. And after he made light, and I think this is interesting, we'll talk about why he didn't do more in one day than another day. He, he could have done a lot. Actually, I believe if he would have wanted to, he could have on day one just said, let there be light and expand, spread the waters out, uh, dry land, sun, moon, um, let's see, birds and fish and land animals. Okay, day one, we're done. Hallelujah. Or maybe in one minute, he could have just had a thought, and then, and then the earth is there with everything in it. But he decided to do it day by day. And so, so God, on day one, makes the light. Day two, the atmosphere and seas. Day three, the dry land and vegetation. And then we come up to where he fills it in. God makes sources of light to, to shine in the night sky. And you know what's interesting, if you've noticed... I just want to give you some interesting facts I found. It doesn't say sun and moon in those verses. It just says greater light and lesser light. Do you, have you ever wondered why? Because they had words for sun and moon when Moses was writing them. I never really wondered why until I was studying it. And actually, it is believed that Moses decided to say greater and lesser light because the words for sun and moon were also the words for the God of the sun and the God of the moon in the other religions. And Moses wanted to make sure there was no confusion that our God didn't create any other gods, any lesser gods. No. Our God just created lights. That's all they are, people. That's what he's saying. Listen, you're worshiping this. All it is is a light. That's it. It's not a God. My God didn't create this God. This is only a light. Brilliant. Brilliant. Sometimes we don't. It's, it's so simple sometimes that we don't realize how brilliant it was actually written. Brilliantly. Man. No, day five, fish and birds to fill the skies and the seas. And day six, land animals and human beings. And we'll get to the human beings in a second. But before we do... God 
not only created these things in a beautiful way, an artistic way, but he also left his fingerprint in various ways. And one way that I found so amazing, have any of you ever heard of Fibonacci's golden spiral or golden rectangle and all of that? Maybe I, you know what, I had not. So if you had, have mercy on me. How come he didn't know? Well, and for those of you who don't, who haven't heard of it either, we're together on this, okay? It's okay. We're together. All right? So Fibonacci's spiral. So what's so important about this guy, Fibonacci? Well, it just so happens that this guy, and God bless people who love mathematics. I just have to say it. You need, we need somebody because it's not going to be me to figure these things out. So God bless you if you are, if you love math, numbers. But Fibonacci just happened to figure out this mathematical um, sequence where if you put it into a curve and if you put its ratio up against a lot of things in creation, you see this mathematical ratio and, and I can't say all because that's too blanket of a statement, but so much of creation. Let me just give you a few things. If you look at the heads of flowers, the little pollen um, pieces there, I'm not a biologist, okay? The, 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 where the pollen is, okay? If you notice, they curve around in this certain spiral, and it is this exact curvature. If you look at your ear, how it curves around like this on the inside, it's that curvature, Shells on the beach, you see how they spiral around, especially the conch shells and all of that. That's two. Pineapples, there are little uh, bumps on them. Pineapples, if you go around and follow the curvature, it's there too. Pine cones, the bones in your finger have the exact ratio between the knuckles and the connections. Okay, um, the claws of animals curve in this way, and in the really the icing on the cake and the cherry on top for me is that the spirals in the galaxies curve in this same way, the same exact way, and just because we're in Florida, hurricanes do it too. But we don't want to talk about those hurricanes, right? I haven't experienced one yet. Oh, all right. But the hurricanes spiral around in that way too. It's amazing. God left his fingerprint, at least in this one way. I find it absolutely fascinating. God is not a creator of even chaotic beauty. He didn't slap some nice things over here and this over here. He, down to the minutest detail, put things in a beautiful order that we could look at. That's why David says, you know, when you look at the heavens, he writes in these Psalms, the heavens declare the glory of God, you know, the, the creation. They do. If we look and we really study, we see what God has done. But God didn't just leave his fingerprints on just the curvature of your ear and the curvature of the galaxy. While that is really really amazing there's more you see we when we get down to verse our scripture reading verse 26 there's a change and when there's a change in how the writer writes something especially in hebrew it's really important it's meant to call attention god doesn't just continue on and say let there be in verse 26 in verse 26 
we actually get the first glimpse that somehow in this amazing reality that even though we have one God, he has more than one person. Explain that. Because I don't think we can fully understand it now. But he does. He pauses for a second as if to say, now is the time that I have been waiting for. And God and the persons look at each other and they say, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness. This pause signifies that there's something different about you and I from every other thing that was made on this planet. That pause means that God, we weren't just another box to check off the list, right? I mean, obviously God cares about all his creatures, but there was something special about humanity. He says, let us do this thing now, this moment we have been waiting for. The masterpiece is about to be made. God didn't just create another animal. Mankind was created to be the image of God. And we've heard this so much that when I say it, most of you say, uh-huh. Right, I knew that. We're in the image of God. Thank you. Hallelujah. I've known that ever since I was a little kid. And I read this little line in Genesis. But we don't understand it to be as special as it really is. We were given the privilege and the honor to reflect who God is in character, form, feature, and even work. We were given that privilege. The animals were not given that privilege. No one else, we don't actually, from the, from the Bible and from Sister White's writings, we don't hear that even any other created being that God has made, we don't know for sure, but we haven't heard that any other created being in God's vast expanse of the universe was created in the image of God like we are. They may be, or maybe God chose the earth for a special purpose to reflect him. We were created to be God's delegated rulers and managers over this world. That's what I mean by work. God rules all of creation, and we were given the responsibility of this planet. We kind of messed it up, unfortunately. Our first parents did, and Satan got a lot of control. Jesus has gotten it back. But we were given the responsibility to care for this planet as God cares for all of creation. And not only do we look similar to God's feature, because God does have a form, we're told, God has a form. We look similar to God in form and feature. But we were also given a special little delegated tiny ability to even bring forth life. It's not without God's power, but God gave us as humans the ability to procreate. Yes, animals do that too. But What's so amazing is that we don't bring forth just another animal, just another, uh, some other kind of being that doesn't have uh, our same intellect. We bring forth more image of God beings. Now that is amazing. And 
we bring forth human beings that are the special care of God, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. We bring forth other humans. I just, I cannot even wrap my mind around what an honor and privilege it is to be able to share just a little bit in God's ability to create, no matter how delegated and how minor it is compared to what God can do, God has given us a great gift. Do you see how special you are to God yet? Do you see God's special plan for you yet? And see, this is, and and God also didn't just create us and then leave us alone. You see, he ended the creation with a special, another special topper, a special cherry on top. He said, I'm done with all of the creation. In six days, I have made everything that I want to make. And now I'm going to make an entire day at the very end to set aside, not because I'm tired, not because, you know, my muscles are hurting a little bit from all of that creative work. It wasn't because God needed rest, but God took it away as an example to us and as a way that we can all connect. God wanted to create a special day that would be there to commemorate all that he did in creation and to give us a chance to worship him as the creator. Because if if you notice, there is nothing astronomically that keeps the weak intact. There is absolutely nothing. Yes, there's the, uh, the rotation of the earth uh, in, in the 24-hour cycle. There's you know, the moon in the, in the month cycle. Uh, we go around the sun for the yearly cycle. Yes, yes, yes. But the week, there's no heavenly body to tell us it's this, you know, it's this week, and now it's the next week, and now it's the next week. This week, this, this ordering of seven days was made by God, and it exists solely upon his authority, and he's, just because he said that's what it should be. That's why God took six days, is because for some reason he wanted there to be a week, a cycle of days where we would take away one, and we would spend it for the contemplation of his creative ability and now for us, his redemptive ability to worship him, to connect with him, to be refreshed in his presence. God is our creator and he deserves our worship. You've seen what God has done, how he has taken nothing and brought about life how he took the earth and made it to be a paradise in six days only he has created every single thing that we consider foundational and normal in the world everything that we consider to be established god made it in six days by just saying it should happen let there be everything that we know to be true everything that we see God has done it. God made humanity. He made you. And he left his special fingerprints on you. You are valuable. 
and he made a special day just to spend with us. A lot of times we view it as, oh man, you know, the Sabbath, and I can't do all the stuff I want to do. I got to stop working, etc., etc. You know, what a drag. But, but in reality, we should view it as we have an appointment with God coming up. The creator of the world has made an appointment. We are forever in his calendar. Forever in his calendar. Our God is the creator and deserves our worship. And it is in forgetting that God is the creator and especially in forgetting that this special day was created, this Sabbath day that so many in today's world do not worship God as the creator. They don't recognize him as the, as the great architect and organizer, designer, the great giver of all life. And sometimes we forget. Sometimes we only think of God as our redeemer, but we forget that he is our creator, at least in our practice, how we live. We like God to be our savior, but we don't like him to be our king sometimes because it's frustrating when you can't do some things that you want to do and God is saying, stop it, that's going to hurt you. So my appeal to you today is remember that you are created by God. That God is the creator of all life. No one needed to bring him into existence. No, He doesn't owe anybody anything. He exists of himself. He is powerful above all else, the only God. And remember that you are called to worship and honor him. So in your day, think, how can I honor the creator? When you are about to do something, say something a certain way, think, how does this honor or dishonor my creator? How can I reflect his image? How can I worship him as the creator? Amen? Amen. As we close up this message of this beginning, let's sing hymn 83.